And were it not that I must speak unto you concerning a grosser crime, my heart would rejoice exceedingly because of you. Thus saith the Lord, They understand not the scriptures, for they seek to excuse themselves in committing whoredoms because of the things which were written concerning David and Solomon his son. David and Solomon truly had many wives and concubines, which thing was abominable before me, saith the Lord. For there shall not any man among you have, save it be one wife, and concubines ye shall have none. For I, the Lord God, delight in the chastity of women. For if I will, saith the Lord of hosts, raise up seed unto me, I will command my people. Otherwise they shall hearken unto these things. For behold, I, the Lord, have seen the sorrow and heard the mourning of the daughters of my people because of the wickedness and abominations of their husbands. And I will not suffer, saith the Lord of hosts, that the cries of the fair daughters of this people, which I have led out of the land of Jerusalem, shall come up unto me against the men of my people, saith the Lord of hosts. And that was our wonderful, beloved prophet Jacob found in the Book of Mormon. He was talking about the law of chastity. I believe it covers pride and chastity in the uh, chapters two through four. And Elder Jeffrey R. Holland of the Quorum of the Twelve um, shared a little bit of perspective and how he felt about Jacob. And I thought this was very, very important to share. He says, Jacob seems to have been particularly committed to presenting the doctrine of Christ. Given the amount of space he gave to his witness of the Savior's atonement, Jacob clearly considered this basic doctrine the most sacred of teachings and the greatest of revelations. We had many revelations in the spirit of much prophecy, Jacob said. Wherefore, we knew of Christ and his kingdom which should come. Wherefore, we labored diligently among our people that we might persuade them to come unto Christ. Wherefore, we would to God that all men would believe in Christ and view his death and suffer his cross and bear the shame of the world. No prophet in the Book of Mormon by temperament or personal testimony seems to have gone about that work of persuasion any more faithfully than did Jacob. He scorned the praise of the world. He taught straight, solid, even painful doctrine, and he knew the Lord personally. His is a classic book of Mormon example of a young man's decision to suffer the cross and bear the shame of the world in defense of the name of Christ. Life, including those difficult early years when he saw the wickedness of Laman and Lemuel bring his father and mother down to their graves in grief, was never easy for this firstborn in the wilderness. End quote. And again, that was Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, who's an apostle in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is Stephanie Colvin. Thank you for joining us. And I am your host coming to you from Southern California. This is LDS Real People, Real Lives. And the topic this week is on the law of chastity. I have felt very impressed with some of the things that we're dealing with today and 
seeing out in the world, along with my own experiences, that it is time to talk about this wonderful law of chastity. And I think, too, is the premise of this podcast is, is to talk about the difficult things that we have to endure, maybe some choices or decisions that we make, and uh, have to just keep persevering and pushing forward through faith. I know that the law of chastity, when it's been covered, and I've talked to other people about it, it's never a fun topic. Um, People don't usually want to talk about it. And I just thought, you know, I just felt so spiritually impressed to cover this topic. And, you know, it was interesting because as I was doing my research for this episode, I came to understand the beauty of the law of chastity and the love from our Heavenly Father and Savior in giving us this law. There's so much that we don't know or understand or have the knowledge to understand. And we can always trust Heavenly Father and our Savior Jesus Christ to have that knowledge and to give us laws and commandments because they love us and they desire to protect us. As we move on in the book of Jacob, and he talks about uh, the law of chastity and being morally clean, um, you know, he talks about the um, concubines, he talks about uh, the women and their innocence, and he talks about how important it is to remember that that particular act is always going to be a divine act between a man and a woman in the bonds of marriage. There's no other definition that can be created for that type of divine loving intimacy. It's such a physical expression of pure love. And that can only be experienced within the bounds of the law of chastity as we have been taught as we read about and as we go to the temple and take the ordinances as we come to understand. So we will be covering that a bit more in this episode. Thanks again for joining us and stay tuned. We have so much more coming for you and uh, just appreciate your time. I hope we can get through this topic. It's a tough topic for me uh, personally having, you know, been out of the church for a long time. And I just want to kind of give a little warning here for those that are listening, um, that this is going to be a very adult content episode. Um, and the fact that we are talking about chastity and, you know, the purpose of the podcast is to talk about real life, real situations that we all deal with, or some of us deal with and how we reconcile that with the gospel of Jesus Christ is found in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so um, we will be covering some very personal experiences that I've had and um, some other topics about that as well. And so just wanted to make sure that you guys were forewarned. I don't know if you listen to this with uh, other people or children around, but um, we do want to make sure that... uh, little ears don't necessarily hear these personal stories. So um, I wanted to start off talking about a little bit about what the law of chastity is. And as I was doing my research, um, I had come across I love gospel topics. I also love the book uh, True to the Faith. And they talk about chastity being sexual purity. It's a condition that is pleasing unto God. To be chaste, you must be morally clean in your thoughts your words, your actions. You must not have any, any sexual relations with 
uh, anyone before you're legally married. And when you are married, you must be completely faithful to your husband or your wife. Uh, physical intimacy between husband and wife is a beautiful and sacred act. It is ordained of God for the creation of children and for the expression of love within marriage. And I love that portion of it. You know, I, whenever I thought about intimacy in a relationship um, and in respect to the gospel, I always thought, well, you know, we were commanded to multiply and replenish the earth. Um, but being that I had a hysterectomy when I was 31 and, um, you know, married my third husband when I was in my late thirties, uh, you know, really just, um, especially as we got back into the gospel is figuring out how to have, um, intimacy within our marriage that is going to be acceptable to God. And that's because, you know, Jed had never been a member of the church. I had left the church basically right when I graduated high school. So as an adult, I hadn't been a member of the church. And so we both were very much out in the world. And we know what the world's attitude about sexual relations is, is have at it. You like me, I like you, or you know what? You look kind of cute. We even have apps today that you can get on your cell phones that can give you a quick hookup. Um, sexual intimacy between people is treated with a, I think, kind of a laissez-faire attitude and, um, you know, in the world. And, uh, you know, the world is just so, because of that, the world is so hyper-focused on the physical um, what we wear, how we look, and you can get that from every social media platform that you ever go onto, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I mean, there's always comparisons and people posting and you think you got to look like this or you got to use that product or, you, you know, you need to wear these clothes. And when it comes to Heavenly Father and, and Jesus Christ and this gospel and, and church that they have established here on earth, those things don't much matter. And I've learned this over time. Um, and I will get into my experiences a little bit later, but, uh, just kind of moving forward with the research that I found from these good books that all the information I found can be pulled from the LDS gospel library app, by the way. Uh, in the world today, Satan has led many people to believe that sexual intimacy outside of a marriage is acceptable. We talked a little bit about this, and it goes on to say that in God's sight, it is really considered a serious sin. It's an abuse of power, of the power that he's given to us to create life. And the prophet Alma taught that sexual sins are more serious than any other sins except murder and denying the Holy Ghost. So I wanted to share just a couple of verses here from chapter 39 from the book of Alma, verses 3 through 5. And this is not all, my son. Thou didst do that which was grievous unto me, for thou didst forsake the ministry and did go over to the land of Siren among the borders of the Lamanites after the harlot Isabel. Yea, she did steal away the hearts of many, but this was no excuse for thee, my son. Thou shouldst have tended to the ministry wherewith thou wast entrusted. Know ye not, my son, that these things are an abomination in the sight of the Lord? Yea, most abominable above all sins, save it be the shedding of innocent blood or denying the Holy Ghost. Now, this is Alma talking to his uh, son, and his son had taken off, probably a lot like me, 
decided to go out and have some experiences. And I know that he was wooed um, probably by a very beautiful, beautiful woman. And I, you know, if I recall correctly, she had kind of a reputation of being a ladies, well, of men kind of adoring her and um, because she was beautiful. And Alma's son was no different. He had the same temptations that we all experience and he gave into it. And so he went out and he had these experiences, which unfortunately, these experiences are always going to take us away from God. It's never going to be this, you know, fulfilling eternal experience that kind of fills up um, yourself, your batteries, so to speak, to continue to, you know, persevere and push forward, especially in righteousness and in goodness. But, um, they're always, everything in the world is always fleeting. And so father is trying so desperately to teach us not only that this act between a man and a woman is so sacred, but if we treat it in the sacred umbrella that it's meant to be and give it the respect and the virtue and be valiant in our approach, we can have a wonderful relationship with our spouse that goes beyond anything that we could have ever comprehended or understood because this comes directly from God. When we listen to and obey the commandments and the laws and we understand the guidance of the Holy Ghost as we try to incorporate intimacy into our relationships, these experiences can truly be experiences that are heavenly. It can be your heavenly experience here on earth. And we need these experiences while we're here to keep us in it, to keep us going, to keep us uh, hopeful and just keep kind of energizing us to continue to push forward. Father and the Savior, Jesus Christ, are trying to show us that there is a higher, holier way of living. And through that higher and holier way of living, we can also have these wonderful higher and holier relationships in our lives and in our world. Sometimes people try to convince themselves um, that sexual relations outside of marriage are acceptable if the participants love one another. But let's face it, one sin leads to another sin. It's just the nature of transgressing. It's just the way it goes. Um, so that teaching of having sexual relations outside of the bonds of marriage is just simply not true. And it's not going to bring long lasting love and blessings and divine power to your relationship. Um, breaking the law of chastity and encouraging someone else to do so is not an expression of love. People who love each other will never endanger one another's happiness and safety in exchange for a temporary personal pleasure. So here again, you know, they're teaching us that when we have true love for someone else, we would never want them to endanger their eternal life and progression and blessings. When people care for one another enough to keep the law of chastity, their love, trust, and commitment it increases, resulting in greater happiness and unity. 
In contrast, relationships built on sexual immorality sour quickly, and those who engage in sexual immorality often feel fear, guilt, and shame. Bitterness, jealousy, and hatred soon replace any positive feelings that once existed in their relationship. Our Heavenly Father has given us the law of chastity for our protection. Have you ever looked at the law of chastity as being a protection for you? It's such an interesting thought. Obedience to this law is essential to personal peace and strength of character and to happiness in the home. I'm going to say that again because this is so powerful. These are the blessings and rewards for keeping the law of chastity. Obedience to this law is essential to personal peace and strength of character and to happiness in the home. Who doesn't want that? You know what I noticed too in the gospel of Jesus Christ is that every time we do, every time we obey, every time we put effort in and we exercise our faith and we just, we choose to believe, we choose, we have a desire to believe and just to do it. They always give back a hundredfold. Make no mistake. You can always trust and have confidence in Heavenly Father and our Savior, Jesus Christ, that they will always give back a hundredfold. As you keep yourself sexually pure, you will avoid the spiritual and emotional damage that always comes from sharing physical intimacies with someone outside of marriage. You will be sensitive to the Holy Ghost's guidance, strength, comfort, and protection and you will fulfill an important requirement for receiving a temple recommend and participating in temple ordinances. So, you know, these are powerful teachings and knowledge is everything. You know, if we didn't have this, imagine how much worse our own personal lives could be, how much worse the world would be. I mean, we have the truth of the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ on the earth today and look at what the world is like. Look at what we're already struggling with in the church. And I, I want to assure you, I am completely being non-judgmental here. Um, I love the teachings that come from the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I faithfully and wholeheartedly believe in them. But that does not mean that my life demonstrates that faith and that belief. So for me personally, kind of going into my life, you know, I didn't have sex until I graduated high school and I did with my first love, um, who is the father of my two children when I was 18. By the time I was 19, I was pregnant. By the time I was 21, I was pregnant. And by the time I was 24, I was divorced. So these teachings here and the, and what we talk about, um, when a relationship is built on sexual immorality, it's teaching us that we can feel uh, bitterness, jealousy, and hatred, that we can feel fear, guilt, and shame. And you know what? I felt all of those things. And I remember vividly, like it just happened yesterday, how I felt. Number one, I had to go and tell my parents. I'm the only girl out of five children. Very close to my parents that I was pregnant. I was scared spitless and I was ashamed. Um, we had a very, my first husband and I, we had a very volatile relationship. It was very abusive. And um, we were just so young and so naive and just so inexperienced and ignorant. And I think as with most 19, 20, 22 year olds, you kind of are always leading with your feelings and that can be very dramatic with a lot of 
uh, carnage that's kind of just left in the wake of these dramatic hurricanes that happen. And so that was my experience with that. I'm not saying that everybody who starts their relationship this way um, and has children together are going to get divorced. And this is just, you know what I mean? I believe just as much in God's justice as I believe in mercy. I tend to focus more on the mercy side because I need it. I know God is just. I know that he's going to make everything right, that he's going to restore everything to its proper place. I know it. I understand it. I get it and I'm fine with it. Um, I just want anyone who's listening right now to understand that this is just simply my story and hoping that you can learn from how I've used the gospel to kind of reconcile my train wreck of a life. It's so interesting because I I can say train wreck and yet there's so much beauty that's come out of that train wreck. And if you notice, that's pretty much typical of living here on earth and the experiences that we have. So by the time I was 24, I was divorced. Um, I was remarried when I was 28 around there. And I had come across someone that, um, and I don't want to be cruel. I'm not trying to be mean, but for the intents and purposes of this episode and the podcast, I'm just going to be very open because I think it's through our willingness to be open and genuine that we can really learn from each other and the spirit can inspire us on what we need to do in our lives to find peace and to find righteous direction. And, um, so I had settled my second marriage, um, I was in love with him and um, I was very grateful for him. He was a very outgoing, charismatic, funny, bubbly person. Um, but we both had issues and, you know, he wasn't taught about uh, sexual purity or anything like that. Being an only child, they were non-religious. Um, I was, but I was really screwed up because the abuse for me, the sexual abuse for me happened when I was a little kid. And I found out when I was taking my psych class that the time that it was happening is when all these behaviors and these pathways are developed and set in the brain. And so I had this very, um, cockeyed, unhealthy, weird view on sexuality. And that really bled into my relationships and it wasn't for my good. As a matter of fact, the gentlemen that I, well, the men that I had chosen to be my first two husbands, um, kind of took advantage of that. And uh, it didn't bode well for me. It didn't make me ever feel good about myself. And it was those experiences and being married to these other men. I had relationships in between um, that really helped me to learn a lot and to come and appreciate my husband today. I totally agree with everything that has been said thus far that I had found in gospel topics and a couple of other manuals. Um, that's been my experience is that when I have broke the law of chastity and engaged in things that were destructive behavior, um, that were not of God, you know, there, there was a lot of suffering. There was a lot of suffering, uh, for me and honestly for anybody around me, because when I suffered, you know, anybody that was in my life suffered, um, 
especially after my second divorce, I felt like such a failure trying to, and I, you know, honestly, and I'm being very genuine from my point of view, I did, I tried so hard to make my marriages work. Um, but I do, I can reflect now through experience and maturity in my first relationship. I see where I definitely played my role and the demise of that relationship. In my second relationship, um, you know, older, wiser, I tried super, super hard to make that relationship work. I was very devastated when it didn't, uh, even though I was the one that left. Um, I wanted to, I didn't want to be this woman who, you know, was twice divorced and having these relationships. I didn't want that to be my description. And so it was really hard and it was just devastating for me. And I still suffering from a lot of, um, just mental issues and emotional issues, self-esteem issues from the experiences that I had growing up. Um, not only the sexual abuse, but I had a couple experiences after high school where, um, I would go out and have a good time with my friends and that always involved drinking and then inevitably something stupid happened. And I don't even know what happened because I was so blacked out, you know, from drinking. And, but I knew that something had happened because you always know it's your body. Um, and so I did have self-destructive behavior even after my second divorce. And you know, some people, when I talk to them about it, they just don't get it. And I'm fine with that. I totally understand that everybody cannot relate. I totally get it. But for me, I just hated myself. And so I went out and I did things that I'm not proud of whatsoever. Um, that really hurt me worse and took my pain a lot deeper. Um, but with any addiction that you have, um, you can sit here and say, well, if I do this, I know that this is not going to be good for me and it's going to hurt me and it's going to hurt my body, but you know what? It's going to give me a, a release right now. And that's what I need. And, um, or it's going to give me help right now, or it's going to help me, you know, find some kind of relief from my stress or anxieties or how I'm feeling about myself. And so sometimes the things that I did were very, very toxic and very hurtful to me personally. And, and that's kind of the way that I showed up at Jed's door. when I met him in August, I was just coming out of these situations that I put myself through. I was just basically peeling myself up off the, the ground because I had just spiritually and emotionally and mentally and physically pummeled myself and um, was just trying to find myself when I met Jed. And I'm so grateful to have found him because he's actually, it's meeting him that I started to heal and understand um, life, relationships, spirituality, um, the place for sexual relations in a higher and holier way because Jed by nature is just a good person. You meet him and you get drawn into his just his presence, his goodness, his goodness like radiates from him. And um, so I've learned a lot being with him and because of his own personal virtue and valiancy, he has taught me how to love with genuine righteous feelings with genuine righteous intimacy and I'm so grateful for that because I honestly before I met him and got back in the church I had no clue that what I was doing was so harmful to me 
that was harmful to me and my body, but especially my spirit. My spirit was crying out and was in pain and it was a painful experience. Um, but I am so grateful for my honey for doing that for me and for having the strength of character to stand up and stand out for me, to be willing to make these gentle corrections when I needed to hear them the most, even though they weren't the most fun conversations to have. Um, you know, I did go a little bit in for my research into some scriptures that I wanted to share. Um, but I wanted to go back to some information I've already shared because I think it's just so important that we remember and understand that when we are sexually pure, when we keep the law of chastity, the blessings are to have personal peace, strength of character, happiness in the home, to draw closer to our Holy Ghost, His guidance, strength, comfort, and protection. But I had also read that it helps us with addiction issues. So when we keep these laws, law of chastity, the word of wisdom, um, the law of tithing, when we keep the law of the fast, it helps us to master our self-control. So merely refraining from sexual intercourse outside of marriage is not sufficient in the Lord's standard of personal purity. Remember, everything that we learn in the gospel is to help us rise to a higher standard of living and a moral standard. So the Lord definitely requires a high moral standard of his disciples, including complete fidelity to one's spouse in thought and conduct. So in the Sermon on the Mount, um, Jesus Christ said, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And that's Matthew chapter 5, found in verses 27 and 28. In the latter days, he's also said in Doctrine and Covenants, section 59, verse 6, Thou shalt not commit adultery, nor do anything like unto it. And he's re-emphasized this principle that he taught in the Sermon on the Mount. He says in DNC section 63, verse 16, He that looketh on a woman to lust after her, or if any shall commit adultery in their hearts, they shall not have the spirit, but shall deny the faith and shall fear. These warnings apply to all of us to all people, everybody who's on the earth now, who's been on the earth and who's going to come to the earth, whether they're married or single, does not matter. It applies to all of us. And then they have a statement, of course, and, and I truly believe this, that if you have committed any type of sexual sin, you need to speak up, speak up on your behalf, get the help that you need, speak with your bishop, talk to a branch president so he can help you through the process of repentance. I have a strong testimony and the fact that our bishops truly are our judge in Israel. No, they are not therapists. They are not trained psychologists and psychiatrists, okay? but they are led by the Spirit of God. And I think that as a part of our ability to overcome and also heal, we need to include the bishop in that process and be willing to take the steps that are needed that are actually going to make our lives so much better. And not only are they gonna help us to overcome it, but through that process, we're gonna become more. 
We're going to become, remember this is a proving ground. We're going to progress and we're going to become more. If you find yourself struggling with uh, sexual temptations, including feelings of same sex gender attraction, do not give in to those temptations. Be assured that you can choose to avoid such behavior. You can receive the Lord's help as you pray for strength and work to overcome the problem. As part of this process, you should seek counsel from your bishop or branch president. I'm telling you, I have never had one bad bishop. And I have gone to see all of my bishops, even when I wasn't active in the church, and they have all been very tender, compassionate, and empathetic. And if you have had a bad experience with your bishop, find someone else that you can go talk to and get your spiritual needs met in the direction that you need, that you feel comfortable with. That is quite okay. There's another portion um, of the law of chastity topic that I wanted to cover. And so... <sighs> I think I pulled this from True to the Faith. Um, when it talks about keeping the law of chastity, they say no matter how strong your temptations seem, the Lord will help you withstand them if you choose to follow him. So I can attest to that when I have exercised my faith and my belief in the Lord and what he's teaching and telling us, I have been able to overcome some of these things that I deal with. And I deal with some very unique, you know, challenges for me in my situation. Um, and I have had some issues with my sexuality because of my past abuse experience, a lot of confusion. Um, and we all have our crosses to bear. That's just all there is to it. We all have our crosses to bear. And some of us, that just might be the same sex gender attraction. And I want you to know if, I, if there was ever anything that I could express with great sincerity and love and faith. Is that when we live the gospel in our lives, when we do the things and make the changes, sometimes that seem like sacrifices to live the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives, the blessings, the rewards are more and greater than anything you could ever comprehend or even just dream up in your own imagination. This is how well God knows you. He knows what you're going through, what you're going to go through, and he knows how you feel and he knows what you go through. He knows about who you're attracted to, what your thoughts are. You cannot hide anything from him. Nothing. So my approach has really been to just be very open and honest with my Heavenly Father. And I encourage you to do the same thing. Hit your knees, pray to Heavenly Father, and talk to him about the issues that you're dealing with and ask for help. Ask for guidance. I often say, please point my feet in the right direction. Help me to hear thee. Please help my heart to be open so that I can be receptive to your counsel. So I can know what thou would have me to do. There hath no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it.
That is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And I tell you what, I believe that wholeheartedly. Recently, we've had a lot going on here. And it's like every day there's something new that I have to handle, I have to do. And it's just always serious with great impact. Um, I never seem to get the light and fluffy issues, at least for right now. And um, I have held on to the scripture like a thirsty, starving woman because it's all I have. It's all I have to combat and push back at the stress and the anxiety and the fear that I was having. To replace that stress and anxiety and fear with faith, confidence, and hope in my God and in my Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Um, So here's some counsel that I pulled from the manual on LDS Gospel Library app that can help us overcome the frequent and blatant temptations in the world today. Um, So decide, number one, decide now to be chaste. You need to make this decision only once and make the decision now before the temptation comes. Let your decision be so firm and with such deep commitment that it can never be shaken. Determine now that you will never do anything outside of marriage to arouse those very powerful emotions that must be expressed only in the confines of marriage. Do not arouse those emotions in another person's body or in your own body. Determine now that you will be completely true to your spouse. I constantly have issues with this because, again, of my past. I have a lot of sexual issues that I deal with, unfortunately. And when I have things that hit me, that are trying to pull me away from God, that are tempting me to do this, tempting me to do that, because believe you me out in the world, they're saying it's okay. Basically what I do is I fight and I fight and I fight and I fight until I finally can overcome it with the help of Christ in my life because I know it's only through him and his power and the empowerment of the atonement that I can overcome the things that are hard for me. This is my cross to bear. In the prior earlier scriptures that I read when it talks about um, cleaving to your wife and staying faithful to your wife, we all know that means wife and husband. And I just wanted to clarify that. Um, I'm sure I didn't need to, but I felt like I should. The second thing that they talk about in helping us to overcome the frequent and blatant temptations in the world today is to learn to control our thoughts. And I totally agree with this. Being 47, the one thing that I've really learned as part of this experience here is to learn to discipline our mind because we don't control the thoughts necessarily that come into our mind, but we do control the thoughts and what we do with it. Do we act on it? Do we dismiss it? Do we, you know, put it away? Are we saying no way? What are we doing with these thoughts? Uh, No one commits sexual sin in an instant. Immoral acts always begin with impure thoughts. So if you allow your thoughts to linger on obscene or immoral things, you have already taken the first step toward immorality. Flee immediately from situations that may lead to sin. Pray for constant strength to resist temptation and control your thoughts. Make this a part of your daily prayers. Ask Heavenly Father to help you with this. These are things that are hard. You know, especially when it's something that you're already dealing with and it's such a challenge. Um, The third thing that they're saying to help 
ourselves with the temptations of the world is to stay away from pornography. Don't view it. Don't read it. Don't listen to it. Uh, Don't listen, view, or read anything that depicts or describes the human body or sexual conduct in a way that can arouse sexual feelings. Because we know what Lucifer does. You open that door and he kicks it open. So we have to keep that door shut. Like the biggest bomb shelter door that you have ever imagined in your mind. You have to keep that door shut. Um, pornographic materials are addictive and destructive and father knew that this was going to happen. And this is why he's given us so many tools to combat pornography. It's a great weapon for the adversary, uh, pornographic materials. They can rob us of our self-respect and of a sense of the beauties of life. And it can tear us down and leave us to feel or to have evil thoughts and abusive conduct. It really is not going to get you anywhere that's going to be happy or that the people around you are going to be happy. It's just not. Uh, The next thing that we can do to really help ourselves with the temptations of today is if you're single and dating, always treat your date with respect. Never treat him or her as an object to be used for lustful desires. Carefully plan positive and constructive activities so that you and your date are not left alone without anything to do. And definitely stay in areas of safety where you can easily control yourself do not participate in conversations or activities that arouse sexual feelings and please do not participate in passionate kissing lying with or on top of another person no touching private areas uh, or sacred parts of another person's body with or without clothing just don't do it and do not allow anyone to do it to you either the next thing is if you're married Be faithful to your spouse in your thoughts, words, and actions. The Lord has said, Thou shalt love thy wife with all thy heart, and shalt cleave unto her, and none else. And he that looketh upon a woman to lust after her shall deny the faith, and shall not have the spirit. And if he repents not, he shall be cast out. And that's Doctrine and Covenants, section 42, verse 22 through 23. Never flirt in any way. As much as possible, avoid being alone with any one of the opposite sex and ask yourself if your spouse would be pleased if he or she knew of your words or actions. Remember the Apostle Paul's counsel to abstain from all appearance of evil. When you stay away from such circumstances, temptation gets no chance to develop. So the last thing that we can do to protect ourselves from temptation is forgiveness for the repentant. The best course is complete moral cleanliness. It is wrong to commit sexual sins with the thought that you will simply repent later. This attitude is a sin in itself, showing irreverence for the Lord and the covenants that you make with him. However, if you have committed sexual sins, the Lord offers forgiveness if you repent. Repentance is difficult, but it's possible, and you can be clean again. The despair of sin can be replaced with the sweet peace of forgiveness. And this is true. So utterly true. So going back to my experience, you know, when I met Judd, I was broken. I was broken in so many different ways that I didn't even realize I was broken. And he helped heal me. He helped heal me with his childlike innocence his sweetness, his kindness, his love for everything that's good. And I'm just so grateful to him for who he's chosen to be. 
And this was all before he had even found the gospel. Now, believe you me, he was not perfect. Okay. He was a single bachelor um, into his 30s. And, you know, it is what it is. But when we got into the gospel together and we really focused and made the gospel the center of our life, we made changes, important changes. And for me personally, the changes that Jed needed to make, I didn't oversee them. I didn't monitor him. I tried so hard not to check his phone, his history, or do any of that stuff because I already knew I'd already been there and done that in my prior relationships. That's just going to be miserable. When you have no trust, it's a miserable feeling. It's just, who wants to live like that? I certainly don't. And so I just decided this time I'm going to do things differently because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. So I left Jed in charge of himself. I tried so hard not to make him feel bad about anything that he was doing and really just to trust God, to trust the Lord, to trust Jed knowing that he is looking to, you know, live a higher and holier life and to purge the things in his life that were not in line with the Lord. And you know what? He was able to do it. It took him over a year, but he was able to do it. And he's able to stick to it. And you know what? If he's fallen off the wagon or whatever he's done, I trust him to do whatever he needs to do to repent and to move on and ask for strength against these issues that may be a source of weakness for him and temptation. I trust my husband, but I know that not everybody has that blessing in their relationships. This is just simply me sharing with you what I did and how it ended up working out. And you know what? When it works out, you know, we've talked before about the good, best, and better, or good, better, and best outcomes. We always want at least I do, especially on the spiritual front, the best outcome. And, um, you know, he worked his tush off and, um, he's been very good to me. And we've actually read and shared together, um, a couple articles that have come out from our general authorities about intimacy and its place in the relationship. And, um, there's a lot to learn and study there. So I really encourage you to do that yourself. Uh, study out the law of chastity. Look to these good talks that have come from our leaders about the place for intimacy in a relationship and a marriage and what the expectations are. And then pray about it. Pray. What does that mean for you and your, your husband or your wife? Um, what does that mean for you and your spouse? What does that entail? And this is something that I had to do because I had no clue what a intimate relationship look like that would be ordained and blessed by God through the power of the Holy Ghost. And it took us time. It took effort. It took constant seeking and praying about it and a willingness to um, embrace it and do so with an exciting, loving heart. I had to really want this for myself and to want a relationship that was different from the world. I had already had all these relationships that were so worldly and I was left empty. It was not happiness. There was nothing sustaining about it. And yet here I am now with my husband and we work, we work our tush off to 
do our best to be in line with the Lord and to have our hearts constantly turned to him and to be obedient children, to be children that he could be proud of and pleased with. But we're not perfect. And, but through that hard work and the recognition of the effort, God has blessed us and enriched our relationship and our lives in a way that eight years ago, there's no way I would have ever, ever thought that our relationship could be what it is today. I truly, for the first time in my life, feel safe, secure with my husband, emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. This is what the gospel of Jesus Christ, living it, being obedient, a willingness to have humility, to repent when you need to, to go through the progression of learning and, and, and repenting and becoming better is such a huge blessing. Such a huge blessing. Sister Eleanor Kane Adams and Elisa White, they're two young women adults in August 2020, The Ensign. There's an article called Living the Law of Chastity in a Dating World Full of Gray Areas. And they said, living the law of chastity helps us recognize our shared divine potential and be more confident in our relationships. Navigating any seemingly gray areas of the law of chastity requires making a conscious choice to respect and regard others as divine beings. It can be confusing when the world encourages us to let our sexual feelings take priority over our commitment to treat those we date like a child of God. Being chaste isn't just about following a set of do's and don'ts. It's a way of living that can help us love and respect everyone, including those we date more perfectly. I absolutely love that they shared that. And it's so true absolutely just I have never looked at my significant other as being a child of God as being a divine being as somebody that I needed to take special care of and my thoughts and feelings and the way that I treated them and you know we do that in our relationship with my husband now and um, it makes all the difference in the world it just, it truly does. Recognizing each other as children of God, loving others starts with recognizing that we're all daughters and sons of God, that we all deserve to be treated as such. We're divinely created in the very image of God, and we need to see people as they really are and not just as a body if we are to truly live the law of chastity. So I will leave that with you. I so much appreciate you guys joining me this week. I hope that it's been helpful, edifying, uplifting, and can help you figure out whatever's going on in your life. That is my true intention is to help those that are willing to listen in any which way that we can. Um, just thank you for joining us. Thank you for coming back every single week. I love you. I appreciate you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay faithful. And remember to be kind. For everyone you meet is truly fighting a hard battle. Until next week, God bless.